We're starting off a new series this morning called Questioning Faith, and uh, it's, it's kind of a different thing for us to do here at Family Bible Church. We've never done anything quite like it before, I don't think. We always preach the word. That's our job. Public reading of scriptures, proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we come and gather here every Sunday morning. That's why we do all this work, is to share the gospel in this context here. We also want to do that in our world, and our lives every day. That's why each week when we leave, we pray a blessing that we would go out into the world, making disciples of all nations. And so this morning, um, we're going to get into the Word, but we're doing a series called Questioning Faith, and I feel like I need a little bit of explanation here, because everyone we've talked to about this um, has had questions. <laughs> like, what does this mean? <laughs> Who is this for? And so I want to explain a little bit about, about why. I, I think we, the, many of us have come to know Jesus Christ as Savior, and, and sometimes whenever you, you come to faith in Jesus... I don't know if you were like me at all, but you, you're not really sure what you've gotten yourself into. Honestly, honest to God, don't know what you've gotten yourself into. And there becomes this kind of subculture in, in the main culture of Christians who, who, who are afraid. Like we feel like we have to know everything, have all the answers instantly, right? Life's supposed to be perfect now, and we don't see that. And so one, one part of the sermon series, is about eight weeks we're doing this series, and one part of this is going to be about us understanding why we believe what we believe, being free to answer, ask questions, getting honest answers, when we don't know, saying things like, I don't know. You know, I don't know if you know this about God, but there's a lot of mystery in God. His word's proclamation about himself is, is, is pretty much like God does what God wants. That's pretty consistent in Scripture. And yet... We can know him, and we can love him. And so part of this is going to be about us understanding our faith better. I hope you engage with me. One of the ways we're going to try to do that is through family groups. And the family groups is going to be a small group gathering, and we're going to continue the same stuff we talked about on Sunday morning, and we're going to dig into it. You know why? We can't really do that effectively here. And so we're going to get into smaller groups in people's homes or sign-ups on the back table, and we're going to just engage in this conversation. I hope you'll come, and I hope you'll take risks with us. Because the bottom line is that we don't have all the answers we don't know everything. Paul says we've not yet been perfected. And so the gathering of his people, God's people into his word, is a blessing and an encouragement and, and, a, and a perfecting, making us more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. He loved questions. Have you noticed that about Jesus? I can't think of a time in Scripture that someone asked him a question and he said, that's a stupid question. I can't think of a time in Scripture that someone came to him with a question and he, he just turned them away. Now, he didn't always answer the way we expected he would answer. As a matter of fact, oftentimes, we, we did the Summer Dedicated to Christ this summer with us here at Oldenkamp leading that for us. And many times we realize in Scripture that Jesus asked more questions as if he wanted a relationship, a conversation. So... That's part of this, is that, that to be willing. But the flip side of this is this. When I, we live in a culture that, that stands at a distance from faith. We live in a culture where there's some things that the culture assumes that I'm not sure where they're getting the assumption from. Just as many people in the church haven't thought through what they believe and why they believe it, people in the culture haven't necessarily thought through why they believe what they believe, what, what they believe and why they believe it either. And so... This series is more really geared toward folks who are wondering, how does this work? What, what is this really about? 
I hope by the grace of God, through the wisdom of his Holy Spirit and the reality of his word, that we will all grow together. I believe that there's no one on the backside of the curtain with God. I don't believe that we get to see, you know, the secret stuff. That, that, that we're, I think that God loves to be an awesome God where we're all like, wow, that was amazing. You see, we all stand on this side of the chasm. And God is so much bigger than we can imagine. And so I'm hoping that through this series we're going to be able to talk about these things and, and be honest with one another. It'll be a little uncomfortable. That's what I've heard from a lot of folks, especially some folks who are stepping up to lead. They're like, boy, this is a little, I'm a little concerned. And I say, okay, praise God. <laughs> we should know what we believe and why we believe it. We'll trust God to lead us forward. So um, the other thing is this, I, I want to say, I'm not sure that we really invite people in the conversation. I think a lot of times, even in our faith life, we're, we're, we're really more bent towards excluding them from conversation. Let me tell you what I believe about this, why I think this is true. I was thinking about people who are unchurched. Let's say that for a minute. Don't go to worship. Don't believe in God. Don't just, and I wanted to find people, not only people who just were like passively like indifferent. I want to find people who are like really like, there's no God, right? And so I did a little search on the internet and I found a group of people that meets pretty close to here on a monthly basis. And they, their, their belief in meeting is that they don't believe God's real. Wow, Right? And you know what I thought next? What would you think if you found a group of people that met once a month and don't believe in God at all? What would you think next? What would you? I thought, I want to go. Right? I want to know what these people are thinking. I want to know how their mind works. And you know what the third thing I thought was? Is this is number three already? I think I thought three things already. You know what the third thing was? That's going to be so awkward. They're not going to want me there. I'm going to go to their leader and say, can I come? And they're going to say, uh, you believe in God? I'm going to go, yeah. And they're going to go, no. Didn't you read the sign? I'm still praying about the opportunity. But I want you to know that I believe we have to be inviting people into this conversation. God has given us truth. He's given us the gospel of Jesus. He's given us revelation through his word, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to jump in to this new series, um, Seeking God. I'm going to ask you to pray with me as we enter into the word today and uh, that his, his wisdom be revealed among us. Father, today we've come into your house singing praise and worship, staking the future of young Logan on, on your grace and mercy. And yet we know you're so faithful. We've seen you deliver one after the other of your saints into the kingdom and we give you praise for that work. Father, today as we've come here, wherever we come from, I pray we'll be open to truth. I pray we'd be bold enough to ask hard questions, courageous enough to be honest with one another, and standing before you, Lord, just trusting you to show up because you are God and we are not. And there's something in our very being that recognizes that truth. In this time, in this way, I pray that you would move here amongst us as it pleases you and for your glory and for your kingdom. May we be encouraged, may we be challenged, 
and may we be changed. And we ask this incredible, incredible request in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. So, so today, today is the first week, and the fir- I think when we're going to start, you know, where we're going to begin this series is like, you know, is there a God, you know? And this is a funny one to, t- to come into a church with, because it's like, well, duh, like we're in church, is there a God, right? But I, I'm amazed at how out in the culture, there are people who verbatim, without discussion, with pure intellectual certainty, would proclaim that there is no God. As a matter of fact, n- Maybe it's not that, okay? Maybe you go, well, who are those people? I see those people all the time that say there's no God. But there, there are people who will say at least there is, there is not a God, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, all roads lead to the same place. We're all on the same journey. We're all going to get there somehow, right? There's not one. There's not knowing. There's not certainty. There's nothing. It's, it's just this kind of there, there might be, there might not, but a one singular God, is there a God? Different question. We probably hear that often enough. And as I was, I was, I was thinking about this, um, I want to share with you as we uh, start this morning from Psalm 14. You can read this later, but I'm going to pull up the one key verse on the screen here. This is what the word says. I, I love the Bible because, you know, some people who like refute it and say, oh, it's, you know, not true. I don't think they've ever really read it. The Bible is way more honest than I would be if I wrote the Bible. Do you know what I mean? Like the Bible says crazy things that I would not write in a book that I was trying to build people's faith in, you know? And here's an example. This is what the psalmist says. A fool says in his heart, there is no God. And, and, I, and I was reading that, and that's in Psalm 14, by the way. And I was reading that, and I thought, how interesting. One of the things that we, the conversation that happens in culture you know, it's an old dusty book. I mean, it was, it was written to trick people, to deceive people, or, you know, about the, speaking of the Bible. And, and what's amazing is if, if this book was written, this portion was written at least 5,000 years ago. For 5,000 years, there's been a text laying around this earth that says, a fool says in his heart there is no God. Like, we think it's a modern thing we've come up with. Like, hey, we figured it out, you know? We, like, had stuff. We got brains, you know what I mean? Those other people were stupid. And now we know, Huh? And three, 5,000 years ago, the word says, a fool says in his heart, there's no God. A fool. Now, I don't know where you stand on your belief in Scripture and stuff, right? But I don't really care for any document that calls me a fool. I can't think of a positive spin on that idea of being a fool. Can you think of one? You know? Like, you don't want to be, I think if you read a verse and it says, the fool, fill in the blank, I've read these verses, by the way, and you fit that description, you should be like, hold up. That's not cool. The psalmist writes and says, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. I share this with you because if you know my story, you know that that's where I was in my life. I mean, I wasn't like just not believing in different. I believe that God did not exist, okay? And so this is a very personal thing for me. This is probably why I'm so bent about us having a conversation with those who don't yet know Christ, who don't yet believe, but are wondering, are they welcome to the conversation? You know, this is a a real engagement. Do we know enough about what we believe to be able to talk to them in a meaningful way about their faith? And, And I read in this, psalmist writes, a fool says in his heart, there's no God. And I go, oh, that was, that was me, I remember being that fool. 
I'm not saying that as like, oh, I was a fool and now I'm not a fool, you know? Some of you probably still think I'm a fool, right? But there's a reality that I was like totally there and oblivious, oblivious to that fact. The psalmist is, is going to break that down in the following verses, and uh, we're not going to get into it this morning. We're going to work from different texts, but I think it's fascinating to realize what God is saying when he calls us fools, you know? I think, I think based on his definition, many of us would still qualify. But I wonder, you know, um, why is it so hard for some to believe there is a God, Right? I want to kind of make a little on-ramp here for those of you who maybe are struggling. I don't know if you're here today and struggling, but I want to make a little on-ramp here. There's some crazy things recorded in Scripture. We know one of the dudes, we know his story so well, we gave him a nickname. We call him Doubting Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas was a disciple, man. Like, if he was a good guy in Scripture, you know? And when Jesus died and raised from the dead, Thomas is like, I'll believe it when I see it. I love Thomas' story because even here, I said Jesus loved questions. You know, he still didn't rebuke him. Like, this is hard to do, but, you know, if you can imagine that you're the son of God, and I mean, I know we have a hard time, right? But can, and, you, and you died for the sins of the world, and you were raised on the third day, and you're walking around eating fish and chips with your disciples, you know, and you're walking through walls and stuff, and some, some Joe Schmo is like, oh, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, how are you going to show up for that conversation? I would show up like, well, bam, you know what I mean? I could just think of all kind of crazy things I would do to mess with Thomas. I mean, think about it. He's like denying God. And you know what Jesus does? He shows up and he says, Thomas, why do you doubt? Put your hands here. Believe. Like, I can't believe the way Jesus behaves, you know? Like, he's so graceful to us. I wonder why it's so hard to believe. The psalmist has an answer. We'll get back to that in a bit, maybe. But today, I want to say not, not just why is it hard to believe. I think there are reasons. I want to say that, too. I think that there are valid reasons that people struggle in their faith, the experience of this life, you know? But the second, the second question that I want to address is, you know, and maybe you have a struggle. I would encourage you to write that down, you know what I mean? Like, like what is it that you're really struggling with? Or even if you believe. Another one of my favorite passages comes whenever... Jesus is walking around, and, and um, some guy says, will you heal my child? And he says, do you believe I can do it? Jesus asks this guy, do you think I can heal your child? And this dude says, I believe it. Help with my unbelief. I love that scripture. Do you believe I can do this, Bill? I believe you can do anything, Lord. Just help me believe you can do it. You know? Like, that's in the Bible. You, you can check it out yourself. All right. So, so what we're going to work from here is Romans today. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Romans. This is going to be chapter 1, verses 14 through 21. Romans is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. And it was a, it was a, it's a huge letter. It's very well thought out. It it's, um, has a lot of things, but I want to talk about one uh, segment of the scripture because what a lot of people say and there's this dude named Richard Dawkins I don't know if you know Richard Dawkins or not you know and he was he's an atheist he's like a supposedly the smartest atheist they got going right now him and Sam I can't think of his last name right now but these two guys and they're like all over this you know spreading atheism and and they asked him they said um what are you going to do what are you going to do if if you're wrong what are you going to do if you die 
and there's God. What are you going to do? And this was his answer. He wasn't joking. He said, I'm going to look him in the eye and say, you should have been clearer. You should have been clearer. That's his accusation. Okay? And I want you to hear that as we, because that's what, you know, how can you know? How can you know at all? Is it reasonable to ask that we should know there is a God, that God is real? Read with me. This is the opening of the book of Romans. This is what Paul says. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the good news to you who are in Rome. Okay, here goes Paul, the evangelist. I am not ashamed of the gospel, that's the good news, because it's the very power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Don't miss that. 17, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Another translation would say, from faith to faith. What a great image. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God, verse 19, read with me, is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. All right? Now, Romans is a hard book to read because there's a lot going on in Romans. And, and I love, I wanted to start with that idea that, you know, Paul is so jazzed to share the gospel. He's like, it's, it's hope for the Jews, it's hope for the Gentiles, it's hope for the whole world. He's so excited and he's proclaiming it. But what he says here, Paul writes to the church in Rome when he's sharing the gospel and he says that this, uh, in verse 19, that since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. So much of the struggle that we see in life, so much of the corruption of the world, I don't know if you get frustrated living in the world we live in. I get frustrated with it. I get frustrated myself living in it sometimes. Why do I do that stuff? And, and here it's like, you know, God has revealed himself to all mankind. Paul says this in a letter written to the church in Rome, to the the believers there. And I think it's just fascinating to realize what he's saying, that at what may be known about God is made plain to them. This, this, is a, this stands as a hard reality. Now, I want to walk with you for a minute through some practical ways because I want to ask some questions, right? And this is like edge of, edge of the earth kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Like, this is like the stuff where you start to get off balance a little bit. You're standing right on the edge there, you know? Because you can stand anywhere on this planet, and you can take a deep breath, and you can clear your mind, and you can look around, and you can wonder, what is this about? L let me explain you know, something that happens to me. I, I think I told you before, but every year I go on vacation, 
like every year I go on vacation we're by a beach, I should say, I always make an effort to go on the beach at three in the morning, the last night we're there. I know it's this weird thing and I'm, I hate to have you sharing with you because it's my private thing and now it's not, I just made it public. Okay, but it's, I go out on the beach. I don't know if you've ever been on the beach at, at, at three in the morning. No, there's no good going on out at the beach at three in the morning. <laughs> you know, people probably say about me, who's that weird guy? You know, all suspicious. I, I, I went out. There's something about our, our, our comforts of this age, this age. I know we've had buildings for a while, right? But there's something about our ability to turn on lights at night, watch TV 24 hours a day, control our heat and air conditioning in our car, control our speed of travel, control everything about our lives. And there's something for me, and maybe not like this, but if you walk out on the beach alone, alone, at three in the morning, on a a dark night, and you hear those, there's something primal, there's something primitive that begins to speak into your soul. How many of you ever experienced something like that? This moment of almost... Uh, absolute fear. You know what's so funny is I stand, I stand, and this is the time I spend with God when I'm out there, but I stand and I just feel like, if, if, you know, there's stuff in that water that will eat me. Will eat me. If I swam away from the, ocean, the beach as hard as I could, I would die. And I look back over here and we have all these things we've created that give us safety, the lobby, the elevators, the car parks, the security guards, you know. No one's going to get us, man. And here's God going, look. The psalmist says, a fool says, there's no God. We're so caught in the trap. I don't just see that at the beach. I see this moment come as someone is nearing death. That's why that question was asked of Richard Dawkins. What happens when you die? Because there's a moment you're on the edge and there's all this humanity and experience, things you think you controlled the whole time over here. And there's this great unknown. And you can see it. Paul writes to the church in Rome and he says, God's made it plain. I want to invite you, look with new eyes at the world you live in. Look at the reality of things we experience. Look at the things that are completely out of our control. We can become so deluded, so convinced of our own power that we miss it. Paul says, God has revealed himself. To everyone. Actually, what Paul says is that God has made it plain. It's not even confusing for you to know. You know. Since the creation of the world, he says, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. You know, it's kind of funny. I think we've, we've deluded ourselves and think we've, you know, he, he wrote a book called God Delusion. I think we're deluded. We've come so far that we no longer need God. Oh, forgive us. So the question is, is it knowable, you know? One of the questions we get asked when we talk about the gospel of Jesus, they go, well, well, what about the person who hasn't heard? Everyone knows. Everyone sees it. Everyone can sense it. And then, and then if you can sense God's presence and you, you can sense the brokenness in the world, something's not right. 
And so we go seeking. We go looking for answers. 21, I just want to read a couple more things and we're going to wrap up this morning. For although they knew God, here's the you know, indication, they did not glorify him as God, nor did they give thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see, it's like this road away. It's, it's this thing you've got to live in denial you got to live in this kind of bubble where you think you've got all the answers. You don't, you know, there's no, nothing possible that you don't understand yet. You've got to live in this kind of alternate reality that has nothing to do with babies being born, first breath, life, death, reality. It doesn't exist in this concoction we live in in our heads. And that can be scary. Because once you admit that there might be. Now you have to deal with that reality. Life might be bigger than you currently think it is. There, there might be more to it than you can ever imagine. I've seen that someone with you. I find all the time, this is way bigger than I thought, Lord. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. The last question that I want to ask um, is, uh, is, is, is there being a God even a possibility? That's a weird way to make that sentence. I apologize. Oh, my grammar is just terrible. I, I'm just trying to say, is there, I didn't want to say God's reality because that just sounds, is, there, is, there, is the reality of God's existence a possibility? Is, is it even remotely possible? If you're here today, and you're saying, no, I've stood on the edge of that ocean. I know what's in there. Sharks, whales, salt water, deep, long way to the other side. Uh, and and you, you simply don't, there's no way. And you stand on the edge of death, and you go, no, no way. I would say this about you. If you know that much, you are to be honored above all men because you're most surely God. If, if your whole experience of life has helped you figure out the answers and there's no possibility that anything exists beyond the edges of your knowledge, then you are all-knowing and we ought to fall down and worship at your feet. You know what I mean? And by the way, you ought to come up here and teach next week because we need to know. You know what I'm saying? Show up and we'll have a conversation because you're God. But what the Word says repeatedly is, we're not. God's God. I encourage you to read the first chapter of Genesis. I didn't even mention, by the way, when I was having that, you know, alternate experience on the beach this year, that was that comet shower happening. Talk about feeling small. I couldn't even tell where they're coming from. The scientists said they're all going to go this way. They were going that way and this way and that way. I didn't know what was happening. I ran back to my room, locked the door, you know. God is doing so much more. If you think you, if, if it's even possible, if it's even possible, uh, we ought to be looking at it. I, I want to share a verse, a scripture with you, and, and um, I'm not going to read this. I was going to, but I'm just going to jump right past it here. But this, is, this comes from the, I'm just going to tell you the story, actually, and you can write this down if you want to look it up. Acts 17, 
verses 16 through 23. It's this fascinating thing where Paul goes into, um, um, uh, where, where is he at? He goes, he goes into uh, Mars Hill, right? That's where we get the name Mars Hill from. He goes there, and he's, 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 he's experiencing the city, and he's like, wow, look at all of the gods. And he finds this statue that was to the unknown god, you know? And say what you want about, like, old mythology, but at least these people understood enough that there was something beyond what they understood still. And Paul says, this is the God that I'm going to proclaim to you, the one that you don't yet know. I, I think that's the way we come. That's the way we come to the reality of God. Uh, I would even say that's where we come to the reality of Jesus Christ. That's where we come to the reality of the Holy Spirit among us. It, it usually doesn't come because we get it, you know, oh, yes, I see here where it says. Now I understand. It's like, wow. You know, you get sucked right in there with them. What's happening? You're like Alice in Wonderland, you know, or Dorothy. This is how we encounter God. He's bigger than we are. He knows more than we do. And, and I'm going to challenge you that if you don't think it's a possibility, I would really re-examine what you believe. I would, in the same way, share with you that if you know people who say this, and I can't believe you guys don't know. Everybody I talk to, they go, I don't know anybody like that. How do you not know people like this? That's crazy to me. I know all kinds of people like this. Invite them into a conversation. Walk that out a little bit for me. You know everything then. Explain what the world's about. I'll listen to you. Tell me how life works for you. We can engage in these conversations, meaningful conversations, about spiritual matters. God is bigger than us. He is real, and he's revealing his truth among us. And then the last thing is, I'm gonna, we do this every week. I'm going to pray. You know the goal? I'm just so convinced. The more I read scripture, Jesus' goal was relationship. He got, he got most upset when people would just walk away. Keep coming. He would keep coming. Not, I'm not saying keep coming here. I'm saying, Jesus says, keep coming at me. You angry about something? Go with God with it. Go all out. You know, put your head down. Run hard. My favorite verse of scripture is Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be answered. Seek and you will find. Knock and that door will be open. I got news for you. If you're wondering about some things, and I was wondering about some things, I was a fool. Hit that door hard. Go looking for it. Because there's nothing more important in life than believing your answer to that question. Please join me in prayer. Father, today we've come looking for you, wanting to hear from you. And in this place in our hearts that's broken, in this world where we sense brokenness, and this world where we sense majesty, the sheer, sheer size of your reality, Father, can be overwhelming to us. I pray that uh, we would be found as those who are courageous enough to seek truth with all of our heart, to be after you, to lay aside excuses, Lord. Forgive us for our excuses that we make that you haven't shown us enough or you haven't done enough or been there enough. May we admit the truth that you've been there the whole time and may we pursue you 
May we be after you, Father, in every way. It's a prayer from my heart and a prayer for every heart in this room. None of us are perfect. None of us have this figured out. None of us know the answers to the end. We are pursuing you because you give them to us. May your name be made famous among all the earth. For those who are taking that step, I give you praise and glory. And for those of us who continue to walk forward not knowing where you're leading us into this unknown land, I pray that all the more your spirit would give us courage and faith. And may we, in the meantime, bring glory to your name, sharing what we do know. Thank you so much, Father, for that gift of salvation. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.